Welcome to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Your hosts are here to speak the words of the spirits and answer your questions. Now, here are Connie and Barry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife. I'm Barry Strom, your host. And I'm Connie Strom, your co-host. Last week, we channeled with George Orwell, the author of the novel 1984. Many of his predictions are coming true. The show is very interesting, and it's available on the Voice America archives. All of our shows are also available on our YouTube channel in Barry's name, Barry Strom. Okay, today we're honored to have Eric Altman as our guest. Eric, Eric is a cryptozoologist and a paranormal enthusiastic, enthusiast, director of the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society. Now, Eric is one of the foremost experts in Bigfoot with his work dating back to 1997. I met Eric when I was doing Pennsylvania conferences, paranormal conferences back in Pennsylvania, and he was good enough to allow me to use photographs of plaster of Paris molds as the footprints of Bigfoot that I wound up using in my book, Spirits Speak, Conspiracies and Mysteries. So Eric, welcome to our show. Thank you both for having me on. Uh, Eric, you are, I consider you one of the best at this, so. <laughs> well, thank you. I don't know about that, but I appreciate the compliment. Uh-huh. Well, we, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, as you said, uh, I'm a Bigfoot uh, researcher, paranormal enthusiast. Uh, I've been involved in the study of Bigfoot and educating myself on the topic for close to 43 years now. Um, I've been in the field investigating cases and claims of people seeing, experiencing, encountering Bigfoot creatures and other cryptid creatures now for uh, about 26, 27 years. Um, I've traveled all over the country investigating claims and cases. Um, I've done hundreds, if not close to probably a thousand podcasts like this. I hosted my own podcast for about 12 and a half years called Beyond the Edge Radio, where we explored paranormal and encrypted topics and, and true crime topics. Um, I've lectured since that's you and I met at a conference uh, many years ago, and we've run into each other several times over the years. And uh, that's what I do. It's a hobby. Um, it's something I do for fun. And uh, I love being out in the woods and nature and, and uh, exploring and, and learning all kinds of new and interesting things. Eric, how did you get interested in Bigfoot in the first place? Well, when I was about 10 years old, um, there were a couple of movies that were released in the 1970s that were finally brought onto cable TV. And uh, two of them were called Legend of Boggy, Boggy Creek and Creature from Black Lake. And as a young child, I was fan, a big fan of monster movies like the Universal, Dracula, Frankenstein, werewolf movies. And uh, these two movies were in that kind of um, realm of monster movies. Uh, these were about supposed hair-covered creatures that roamed the swamps and forests of Texas and Arkansas. And uh, it fascinated me that there was a possibility that monsters could be real. So that kind of drew me into wanting to learn more. Uh, I made a trip to my local library where I found magazine articles, and uh, I began to research and study and uh, learned that in Pennsylvania, my home state here, there it actually had been many people over the years that have claimed they've sighted uh, or experienced or encountered a Bigfoot-like creature. And uh, through doing research and educating myself, studying um, the material, I found out there is a long Native American history of uh, Bigfoot encounters and stories and lore in Pennsylvania, as well as uh, modern encounters of Bigfoot. And that, uh, that really intrigued me, and I just wanted to study and learn as much as I could about it, you know, to find out if the possibility that monsters are real. And here I am almost 43 years later, and uh, still trying to find the answers. Have you ever seen one? No, I, I can't say definitively I've seen a Bigfoot out in the forest. Um, I've experienced some really weird things that I can't explain. I've seen uh, countless footprints that are made by a large, upright, bipedal walking animal that resemble a human foot, but 16 to 17 inches long, about 8 inches wide, much larger than a human foot, in locations that were, there shouldn't be barefooted people walking around. <laughs> um, 
I've never seen one where I can honestly say it was a Bigfoot, but I've had some pretty close encounters, which I think I was very close to one, if not more than one, on several different occasions over the past uh, 27 years. So there's something out there. I just haven't seen it for myself yet. Where do you think in North America that there was the biggest concentration of them? Uh, people are going to be surprised to hear this, but the East Coast, um, really? ranging from uh, Maine all the way down to Florida. Uh, there's a high number of reports, and it's been well documented over the years that uh, people have put uh, throughout the East Coast. And uh, even though the Pacific Northwest gets a lot of attention and a lot of notoriety, I think that's because that's where a lot of the mainstream Bigfoot researchers who are known began doing their work out there and began getting the publicity. Um, that's why it brought, was brought to the forefront. But I honestly think there's more creatures here on the East Coast than there are on the West Coast. Really? Where do you think the biggest concentration is Pennsylvania? Now, I asked that because I grew up in Pennsylvania. So I'm curious how maybe I might have been close to them myself. Well, the reports that we get in Pennsylvania is, is scattered throughout the state. There doesn't really seem to be one particular area that has more than others. But if I had to, to guess, I would have to say the southwestern portion of the state, we get a high number of reports on a year-to-year basis. It's been consistent for a long, long time. And uh, it seems like the western, furthest western ridge of the Allegheny Mountains seems to be a, an, active, an active area where they're, they've seen and repeatedly and encountered quite a bit. Surprising. So why do you think no one has ever been able to find the remains of a Bigfoot? Well, I I really can't answer that honestly because no one has found any remains. Um, I think there's been concerted efforts to find the remains, but uh, there's a couple of theories that that, uh, may make sense to some people. Um, The first and foremost is that when something dies in the wild, It's naturally devoured by the forest, by predators, small animals such as rodents, um, porcupines. They eat the bones, the calcium for nutrients. And within seven to 10 days, a deer carcass is disappeared. The forest is a magnificent um, garbage compactor, if you will. It it gets rid of the uh, remains pretty quickly and uh, takes care of takes care of those dead animals. Um, If that weren't the case, we'd be tripping on bones of, bear and deer, small rodents, small um, animals like raccoons, foxes, um, coyotes. We've we've tripping over them everywhere, but that's not the case. Um, You very rarely find uh, remains on a Sunday, for example. Ten days later, you're not going to come back to that same spot and see that animal. You may find a few scant bones, but that animal's gone because nature just, all the animals just clean it up and the forest devours it and it's it's gone. Um, The other theory that people are starting to really take a look at is that these animals are actually very intelligent and they have a uh, social structure much like humans do. And they are able to um, take a dead animal such as a a Bigfoot and and, uh, perform like a burial ritual and bury it underground or under in caves or under uh, rock piles where we're not thinking to look. So when an animal dies, such as a Bigfoot, people are coming forward with the theory that possibly they bury their dead. Uh, another theory that uh, is getting some attention is the fact that they may have like an anim, uh, an elephant graveyard, so to speak. They go way off deep in the forests and the mountains where no one is at, and they, they die in, a, in an, a graveyard, and no one has come across anything like that yet. So those are just a couple of possibilities. As I said, no one really knows because we haven't found one, and we don't know why we haven't found one yet. We, we, we may try to answer that for you here a little later in the show, because... <laughs> I'm planning on challenging with one and save your questions. I'd be interested to find out what they have to say. Yeah. <laughs> so, Eric, how would you compare their intelligence with the intelligence of humans? Well, I don't think they're on the same level of uh, intelligence as humans. I think they're on the same level of uh, higher primates, such as uh, gorillas and uh, chimpanzees, orangutans. They're very smart primates, very intelligent. Um, I don't think they have the ability to uh, wear clothing like humans do or have the technology, obviously, like we do or um, manipulate tools. Um, There have been cases over the years where they've been reportedly seen using rocks as tools. Um, Some people even claim they've seen them uh, around fires. I don't necessarily think they're able to make fires, but, um, you know, I don't have all the answers as far as these things go. But 
I, I think they're very close to level of human intelligence, but not, not quite. Pretty uh, elusive, cunning. Do you think they uh, mean any harm to humans? I, I think it depends on the situation. Um, what I mean by that is, um, m much like humans, there are good people and there are bad people. And I think with uh, the Bigfoot creatures, there may be big, bad Bigfoot creatures out there that have ill intent towards humans, and there are good ones. Um, I also believe that you know these animals um, are very elusive and shy. They, they stay away from humans for a reason, because they know humans can and will kill animals in the forest. So they, they tend to stay away from us. They know we're very, a very violent um, race. Um, I think they're, they can become aggressive when they're provoked. Like if a hunter shoots at them, um, if you're encroaching on a food source or their territory or they're young, they may become defensive. They do seem to possess some uh, defensive type of uh, behaviors where they're, they're known to throw rocks at people to drive them out of an area, of an area um, display bluff charges where they'll, they'll charge at you in an aggressive fashion, but then back off at the last second. Or they, they use very uh, um, intimidating screams and howls and roars and, and that sort of thing to drive people out of the forest. If they don't want you in their territory, they don't want you around, they're going to do everything they can to get you to leave before they'll physically attack or hurt someone. And as I learned from studying this over the years, there are very few cases of these animals actually attacking and harming humans. You think there's some type of an alien, maybe? I, I don't necessarily think they're an alien. Um, I think they're some kind of animal that we have yet to, to discover. Um, I used to be of the thinking that they were just an undiscovered uh, primate here in North America that's survived without uh, being discovered by science or, or being proven to exist. My thinking on over the years, uh, I'm not sure what they are, where they come from. Um, some people think they're interdimensional. Some people think they may be alien uh, entities. Some people still think that they're just an animal that uh, hasn't been discovered or cataloged by science. Why do you think they avoid humans? Well, as I said, I think they, they've studied us for quite some time. They're very curious animals, and they watch us from the shadows and the dark forests and the tree lines, and they peek in in windows and the kitchens of homes and bedrooms and stuff like that. They watch us, and they watch what we do. And I think over time, they've learned that we're a very violent race, violent species, and we kill each other. We, we kill animals for food and for game and for sport. And they become wise to that. So they know we're, we can be very destructive. They know we carry guns in the woods. And uh, yeah, I, if, if I were a Bigfoot, I'd avoid us too. <laughs> you got a point there. Huh. Uh, do you think they have souls like humans? Uh, I th my personal belief is all animals have souls. Um, well, that is They correct. all do. Yeah. Um, I think Bigfoot do. Um, like I said, I think there are good ones and there are bad ones. And uh, depending on what you run into the wood into in the woods is going to determine your outcome. But yeah, I think they, my personal opinion is they have souls. Uh, all animals have souls. So why not a Bigfoot? Exactly. No, I think that's um, everything that we're able to channel with has human, has the same souls as a human. And all of our channelings tell us that there is only one type of soul energy. And that that type of soul energy is, you know, what we all have. Animals have it. We've been able to channel with animals. Uh, we actually channeled with our cat before it came back to us. And oh, cool! Yeah, the our cat told us. She said, "She said, uh, I'll come back to you in 13 months, and when I do, I'll be a black kitten." Within one week of when she says, the animal shows up and finds us. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so no, there's no question about it, and that's going to be the the reason why we're going to be able to talk to one here in a little bit. It's uh, it's an amazing world that God's provided for us. Absolutely. So Eric, let's uh, take a little break. Uh, when we come back, we'll have some more questions, and then we're going to talk with one. Connie and Barry will be back after a few words from our sponsors. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. 
Is death the end of the journey of the soul or a time of new beginnings? Is there proof of an afterlife? What would historic figures say if they lived today? Psychic and channeler Barry Strom uses his gift of spirit communication to answer these questions and explore all aspects of the hereafter. Have all the information necessary not to fear life's final journey. Tune in to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Welcome back to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife. Here are your hosts, Connie and Barry Strom. Okay, we're back. So, Eric. What kind of sounds, uh, have you ever heard of them, and what kind of sounds do they make when you hear them? Well, I can't say definitively that I've heard one. I've never seen one open its mouth and make the sound coming out of it, but I've heard some really crazy things in the forest that um, sound like a wildlife, and I've kind of educated myself over the years of what animals sound like in the forest. I've spent so much time out there. And, and I've learned what owls sound like, coyotes, um, bear, uh, deer when they, they snort. Um, so I've familiarized myself with some of the, the common wildlife, especially in my area. Because that's where I spend a lot of my time. And I've heard sounds that don't sound like common wildlife, um, from high-pitched screams and howls to uh, grunts and uh, primate-like whoop calls whooping type of calls like you'd hear like a chimpanzee or orangutan make. Um, I've even heard disembodied language that sounds like mumbling, like something trying to talk, but it has a mouthful of marbles or cotton. I've heard that on many occasions in areas where there's known exciting. I've heard things over the years that really puzzle me, and it's not common to what I'm normally hearing from normal wildlife in the area. Um, some things I've heard will make your hair stand up on end, in the back of your hair and your neck rise up. If, if it terrifying. makes my hair stand up, you really heard a noise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's going to take more than a Bigfoot for that. <laughs> okay, you're also a cryptozoologist. What is a cryptozoologist? Oh, it's a fancy title for uh, a subject that really scientifically does not exist. Oh. Um, cryptozoology was invented by a French biologist. His name is Bernard Heuvelman back in the uh, 1950s. And basically, it's um, the term, um, it's the study of animals that are thought not to exist or went extinct, but um, have proven to still survive and still exist. Uh, it's basically, um, the word cryptos means hidden, and zoology is the study of animals. So it's essentially the study of hidden or unexplained, un undiscovered animals. And a cryptozoologist is someone who is given the title who studies these types of animals, such as Bigfoot, um, the Loch Ness Monster, for example, the Chupacabra, uh, put into that category of a fringe that aren't your typical categorized animals that fall into the world of zoology. That's what a cryptozoologist is. We study the animals that are said not to exist. You think the Loch Ness Monster exists? Um, I don't think it exists in the way that most people think it exists. Um, there's been a lot of scientific studies done on the Loch over the years. DNA taken from it. Um, environmental DNA taken of it. From it, which shows what animals live in the lock, and they found there's a high um, concentration of eel species that live in the lock. And personally, I think what the Loch Ness monster is is a very large or giant eel 
that has survived in the loch for a long time. And there may actually be a large breeding population of them there. So I'm of the, the mindset that it's a type of eel that people are seeing causing the, uh, the humps in the water and the, the wake when they see it. I don't think it's a plesiosaur. I don't think it's any kind of, uh, animal from millions of years ago. I think this is just a giant eel. And it may even be another species of fish that we're just not familiar with. But I don't think it's necessarily uh, um, a dinosaur or a plesiosaur or anything like that. Have you ever seen any other type of diploid, uh, like dogman? Or... No, and, and people will get mad at me, but I don't really think dogman exists. I don't I either. Think, so. <laughs> I think it's uh, a Bigfoot that people are misidentifying. Mm -hmm. And my personal opinion is they're different, uh, not species of Bigfoot, but just like they're different types of humans with different features. They may be seeing a Bigfoot that has an extended uh, face, like a snout almost, and they're misidentifying that as a, a dog or a canine. Uh, I think people are just seeing a Bigfoot when it comes to dog man. And to answer your question about seeing any other cryptids, I have not. Um, I have found large uh, cat feline tracks out in the forest that are much larger than a house cat. So I'm convinced that an animal that says it's not supposed to in Pennsylvania, not in the eastern cougar, is alive and well in Pennsylvania and does exist. Um, I've never seen it personally, but I found the tracks myself and uh, very quite quite very large tracks indeed. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we're in Utah, so we we have cougar here. Uh, we woke up. Mm -hmm. About a year ago, and we had a 40-pound bobcat in the tree next to our bedroom window. So, <laughs> we've got some pretty big cats. I've seen bobcat. Yeah. I, I've seen bobcat here in Pennsylvania, not 40-foot. 40, 40 <laughs> no, 40-pounder. 40 40-pounder, no, sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, he was a big boy. Stayed out in that tree for 10 hours. We saw him first thing when we got up. He never left till the sun went down. He slept up there. They are amazing, beautiful animals. But we really do have some big animals out here. Yeah. Okay. I think it might oh, be no time. Doubt. Yeah, really. So I think it might be time to see if we can't talk to a Bigfoot. Uh, now, the way this works, oh. we I have a master guide named Laura, and she brings these spirits into it. Now, I'm going to go into just a little bit of a light trance, and then Connie will basically ask the questions. And when, when we start out, my voice will be the, will be the Bigfoot. And, you know, she's gonna ask like three questions and then feel free to ask your own and, uh, see what we can learn. Okay. Okay. Laura, can we, can we have our, our friend come through for us? Absolutely. Here is, here is the same individual that you call Bigfoot that you channeled with the last time. Thank you for coming back. I appreciate it. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, we've been around for an awful long time. As a matter of fact, we actually predate humans. We we reincarnate like humans. We have longer lifespans. I, I lived in the Pacific Northwest. I passed about 30 years ago. And I have the same soul energies that humans have. That is why you can talk to me today. So thank you for allowing me to come through and speak. There are many misconceptions about us. I know that Eric is a very good person and that he has tried his best to learn about us. So we are happy to answer questions today. And, uh, to start off, is it okay to call you Bigfoot? Well, that's 
not our name, but apparently it's something that humans like to call, and we do have big feet. <laughs> so yes, if that's what you want, that'll be fine. I want what you want. You would not be able to pronounce my name if I told you what it was. Oh, uh, you've heard my reputation. <laughs> so, then we'll stick with Bigfoot. Eric, do you have a question? You want to think about it for a little bit. Um, I'd like to know, with all the time I've spent in the woods, here in Pennsylvania, are you aware of any creatures that have seen me out in the woods looking for you or them? Oh, yes. You have been very, very close. But you see, we are in another dimension. Humans do not have the gift of seeing multiple dimensions. There is much going on around you that humans do not understand. I have talked with other spirits over here that have been, that lived in the Pen, what you call Pennsylvania, and they tell me that they have been very close to you. And yes, you have heard their voices, and they have chosen not to show themselves, but they are considering letting you see them in the near future. Why is it that humans have never found any remains? We, as I said, are interdimensional. So, we have the ability, should something happen to one of us, to bring the body back into our dimension where it cannot be viewed. We live in a dimension that you cannot see. We have been very careful not to leave our remains in modern times. In the past, we have not hesitated, but in recent times, we have made sure that humans have not seen our remains. We feel that they are not ready to believe in us and that they might create violence towards us. Do you have families and homes like the Kings do? Yes. We have families. We have homes. We have actually relatively normal lives. Now our homes do not look like yours, of course. But we raise families. That is why you have been seen us for so many years, but we do, we try to be happy. We try to do what we can. Eric, got another question? How do you, or can you explain how you move from your dimension into our dimension? With such a large body and a massive frame, how are you able to manipulate doorway or a gateway from one dimension to another and enter and then quickly leave to go back to yours. That is actually a fairly difficult question. You see, you have aliens all around you as well. They are in different dimensions because you can't see them. Spirits that have passed are in that dimension as well. Sometimes when a spirit appears to you, you, he allows you to actually look into that dimension. You see, it's not like a wall or a doorway that you go through. Humans are basically incapable of how we move through, of, they're incapable of understanding how we move from one dimension to another. It is just, we think of it and it happens. 
that is the way that aliens do it. You will be astonished when you go to the other side and you see for the first time just how many dimensions there really are in all of the activity that is taking place. What's your next question, Eric? That's a pretty good one. Um, why are some people able to see you and experience you while many others aren't? Do you have a process that you select a certain person to be able to see you, or is it accidental? Sometimes we are simply in your dimension, and people see us when we are in that dimension. But certain people have the ability to see into that dimension, just as certain people have the ability to see a spirit presence. They are in that other dimension, but that person has the ability to see. People have different abilities. Sometimes we are seen in the other dimension and we did not realize what was taking place. Yeah, I was just thinking of this. Um, if you have families, and there have been reports of people seeing families in a group setting, how do you communicate back and forth with each other? Um, there are different thoughts of humans think you communicate back and forth, but how do you really communicate back and forth? We have multiple ways of doing this. First of all, we do have a verbal language we can use. It is not an elaborate language. It's fairly basic. But when we are in the other dimension, we can communicate telepathically. Just the same as many of your animals in your dimension, can communicate telepathically. It is, only, it is only when we are in your dimension that we use our verbal methods. We also enjoy using our verbal methods as a way of, shall we say, harassing humans. It is, we can communicate in any dimension telepathically, just the same as the aliens that are around you can do it. And just the same as when your soul energy is in heaven, you will communicate without verbiage. The other dimensions are incredibly complicated. But, it is actually only in your dimension that languages are used exclusively. Interesting. How would you rate the intelligence of your group against humans that you've watched both of us? We are actually quite intelligent. We are in this other dimension, and we have the ability to do many, many things in that other dimension. While we seem quite primitive in the human dimension, you will find that we are very, very intelligent. That is one of the reasons that you have had problems seeing us and that is one of the reasons why we do not appear. Okay, let's take one more break. When we come back, we're going to continue speaking with the big three. Connie and Barry will be back after a few words from our sponsors. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Psychic and author Barry Strom has now published nine books 
dealing with supernatural subject from ghosts to aliens. His most recent books, Messages of God and Messages of the Prophet Muhammad for a Modern World, bring you the channeled messages of the founders of Christianity and Islam. Their words are intended to guide their followers through these modern times. These books are available in softcover and ebook on Amazon.com. Signed copies of all of Strom's books are available on his website, www.barrystrom.com. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Welcome back to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife. Have a question for Barry or their guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, we're back. Let's continue talking to uh, our friendly Bigfoot. Eric, got some more questions for him? Um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. He's ready for you. All right. Um, I've talked to people over the years that have claimed to have had habituation um, circumstances with Bigfoot creatures where they've lived and shared the same piece of property and um, they have frequent sightings and encounters and it's almost like they live together um, on that property without any kind of violent or physical um, experiences and I'm curious to know if there are humans that um, you deem as um, reliable, trustworthy, um, good people that you're willing to share the area with them, the, the forest or the, the property with them, and can continue to, um, I guess, coexist. Absolutely. We have found that there are individuals that we felt are friendly to us. We feel that we are not under any threat of violence with these people. We feel that there are individuals that we are capable of having a distant relationship with. We do not feel that humans are ready to understand just how advanced we really are. But yes, you are absolutely correct. There are people that we do associate with more than others. Do you think there ever will be a time when humans and your species can live peacefully together? Absolutely. There will be a time in the future where humans and Bigfoot do live together just the same as there will be a time that humans understand aliens. Aliens have the same souls as humans and reincarnate the same as humans. It is a time where there are disclosures coming forward. You're starting to see more evidence of aliens, and you are starting to see more evidence of what you refer to as Bigfoot. There was a time that no one really saw us as often as you're currently seeing us. 
So yes, there will be definitely a time in the future when humans are ready. Eric, got another one? How can someone see you or interact with you in the forest if they're looking for you? What did that what does that person have to do to have you appear and make yourself known to them? I think that you have all the attributes that are necessary for us to appear for you. I believe that in the near future, at a time where you are out there by yourself, where you are in an area where we populate that if you ask, there is a great possibility that you will truly be able to see one. Eric? The last five to 10 years, uh, more people that are looking for you or have been looking for you for some time are starting to encounter these what we call earth lights or spirit lights in the forest. Are they connected to you in any way? We are other, we are often accompanied by other spirit energies. Orbs sometimes can show light in the woods. There are other type of spirit forms that can show as light. We generally do not have any type of light associated with us, but when we are present, there are generally other spirit forms present with us. And if it is an elemental, sometimes at night you will see their light. Eric? Um, <laughs> are any of the other cryptids that are thought to exist, do they truly exist, or are you the only true cryptid that does exist? There are other more prehistoric forms. There are still areas of the planet that have not been fully explored, such as the deep waters of the ocean. There are actually land areas that are isolated that have not had human exploration. You will find that there are prehistoric forms that do still exist. Can I jump in with a question? Sure, go. Do you exist on other planets, or are you strictly on Earth? We are on other planets as well, just the same as aliens are on other planets. But if we have chosen a life plan on Earth, then we must remain on Earth through that life. Interesting. But just as human souls have the ability to move and to do things on other planets. Also, when we are in spirit form, we can do the same. Keep in mind also that when we are in spirit form, we can make a choice to reincarnate as a human. Interesting. Yeah. Eric, your turn. Is there any species, animal, alien, being, entity, um, spirit that you do not get along with or, or is your sworn enemy? We're actually more afraid of humans than anything in our dimension. Humans are trying to kill us to prove us that we exist. 
it is illogical to kill something to prove that it exists. Because if you kill it, it will no longer exist. So we do fear humans. That is why we are so careful about not allowing our presence to be seen to a great extent by them. Okay. Uh, Eric, you got any more questions? You've got more background than what we do. <laughs> not at the moment. Um. <laughs> so, uh, see, do you have any message that you would like to give all of us humans? I would like you to understand that we exist just the same as many other cultures exist, of which you have no clue. The entire alien population is capable of dimensional changes. We have the same souls that you humans have. We have the same souls that aliens in our galaxy have. We make decisions. Living as a Bigfoot, as you call us, is really not a bad life. We have families. We don't show violence among us. We live... We live... We live very comfortably. Humans should try living in an environment without violence. We only, we will defend ourselves, as you know, but most of what we do is just simply existing and harassing humans. <laughs> so thank you so much. I'm glad that we had an opportunity to speak today. Thank you so much. It's been very interesting and educational. I very much enjoyed it. <laughs> Well, Eric, you got to admit that was a different opera, <laughs> a different situation for you. Sure was. Take a couple minutes and tell us all about how they can get people can get in touch with you. Uh, what, whatever you want to do. Uh, there's a couple websites that uh, I host and uh, run, and a couple Facebook groups that I run. Um, I run the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society. And the website address is pabigfoot.com. Uh, people can go there and read about other, other people's, other eyewitnesses' experiences and encounters and sightings. Uh, they can learn about where they're taking place in the state, uh, both currently and historically. Um, they can see where um, pictures and videos of, of past cases and, and some of the evidence we've encountered and found. Um, and then there is my personal website, ericaltman.net, which is desperately in need of updating and, and uh, renovating. Um, it has a lot of information about me, my background, um, radio podcasts I've been on, videos, um, documentary films, television shows that I've been on, um, some of my background in history. Um, it's more based on my career and what I've done and accomplished. Um, and some of the cases I've looked into over the years. And then on social media, I run um, several uh, social media groups, Weird and Mysterious Pennsylvania. We've got over 9,000 members that uh, contribute to all the weird and unusual phenomenon that goes on in Pennsylvania, abandoned locations, true crime, um, anything weird and unusual in Pennsylvania that's discussed there. Um, I run a group called the Mysterious Chestnut Ridge, which is um a the furthest western mountain ridge in southwestern pennsylvania where a lot of anomalous activity go on from bigfoot sightings to different cryptid sightings to haunted locations to countless ufo sightings we talk and discuss about that and some of the history and some of the current things going on in that that uh, general area it covers uh, three counties in southwestern pennsylvania and um that's basically it that's how you get a hold of me is through the two websites ericaltman.net or pabigfoot.com and on social media weird and mysterious pennsylvania uh mysteries of the chestnut ridge oh and of course the pencil the facebook group the pennsylvania bigfoot society uh, we talk about bigfoot 
all kinds of Bigfoot stuff on there. So that's how you get a hold of me or, or find out what I'm doing or what I'm up to. Okay. I see you're not very busy. So, <laughs> Eric. I'm always busy. Hey, thank you so much for being on with us today. Yeah, so We really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Barry and Connie, for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. And it's been a, a very interesting discussion <laughs> with uh, our for, furry forested friend. Okay. Yes, very much. Okay. Eric, we'll see you later. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. You do the way. Same. Okay, everybody. That was uh, Bigfoot time. Hope you enjoyed it. Eric is a, a true expert in this. So anyway, next week, we're going to channel with Milton Hershey, Andrew Carnegie, and Paul Newman, and they're going to speak about the importance of charity and giving to others when people arrive on the other side. I currently have nine books on Amazon. The latest book, Messages of God for a Modern World, consists of 60 messages that we channeled on our Wednesday morning podcast, A Weekly Message from Jesus. It makes a wonderful daily devotional. It's a great gift for a friend. The book's available in soft cover and as an ebook, both English and Spanish. And signed copies are only available on my website. And I would like to thank you all for joining us on the Voice America Variety Radio Network. And thank you to Eric Altman for taking the time to join us today. It's been so educational. I love education. So please tell your friends about our show. If you'd like to see more of our channelings, we have over 430 videos on our YouTube channel. And it's in the name of Barry Strom. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Please tell your friends about Spirit Speak and join us each Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Radio Network. I think you'll enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Spirit Speak, Exploring the Afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Tune in next week for another informative and inspiring episode on the Voice America Variety Channel at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Thank you.